rolling. Today we have a special guest, Mr. Eric Odlin, who is running in, congression, in Colorado Congressional District 7. Eric was an Army officer who served combat tours in both Iraq and Afghanistan, in which he received two bronze stars, one with valor. Welcome to the show, Mr. Odlin. I'm glad to be with you, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. You call me Eric. Okay. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself starting out? Sure. So I'm a uh, husband. I've been married almost almost 16 years now. I have three children, seven, five, and one years old, two girls and a boy. Uh, my son just started walking. I'm a very proud father. Uh, also a West Point graduate uh, as an Army officer, did two tours in combat, Iraq and Afghanistan. And then I spent, a, after the Army, I spent a decade in the oil and natural gas industry uh, all over the world, finished managing a, a pipeline construction project in Israel as part of a $5 billion project called Leviathan, helped make them a net exporter of natural gas. And then I left my company and was working in 2020. I was working on a PhD, planning to become a counselor to work with veterans and trauma victims when I was somewhat compelled to action given given what's going on in this country deep concerns for the future of my children and so though i never envisioned running for high office here i am um how does your family feel about your uh, run for office well i i think uh good i mean i don't know that my kids really understand what dad's doing but but my wife is is very supportive she she believes in what i'm doing and understands the reason she's also an army brat she's been through a combat deployment and so we're both very concerned about the future of this country and she's very supportive um what uh, what branch were you in the army i was an armor officer so i was a tank platoon leader in iraq and then i commanded a striker reconnaissance unit in afghanistan a cav troop cavalry okay. troop okay i was a logistics officer for 10 years so Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. You as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what are some of the unique qualities that veterans bring to the table, uh, you think, when serving in Congress? Well, I think that veterans bring a level of service that most politicians don't. I mean, most, most of us had a desire to serve our country long before we entered the political arena. And that's the differentiation because we see so much self-serving uh, career politicians who are out for their own ends. And one thing that, that veterans have done in many cases is made great sacrifices on behalf of this country. The other thing is, is I think we appreciate the oath we took to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. It seems to me that most politicians don't even uphold the constitution, don't even understand that that is their primary duty. And even, and many of them in fact seek to destroy the constitution if we're talking about radical progressives. So uh, I, I will honor that oath first and foremost as a representative. How is uh, campaigning going? Cause I hear a lot of times that veterans have trouble making money on campaigning. How is your campaigning going? <laughs> well, I, I've now been campaigning over a year and it is, it is my least favorite aspect, asking for money all the time. I, I think we have a pride and a self-sufficiency that, that does maybe make us 
less suited to the fundraising side of campaigning. But at the end of the day, through a lot of hard work and persistence, we've we've done pretty well, considering I had no political network. I'm not wealthy. I mean, I've I've done pretty well and I've I've put six figures into this race, but I'm not a millionaire. And I, I didn't grow up. I'm an army brat. My dad's a retired army officer. And so I don't have a wealthy network of friends that can finance this race. It's just been developing the network over a year now. And it's, it's gone very well. I'm top line on the ballot. I won our assembly with 63% of the vote and many circles considered the front runner in this race and, and pretty confident I'm going to win the primary. Well, good, good. I'm excited for you. Um, tell me about the spirit of Colorado. That's a great question. Colorado is a unique state. I mean, some try to categorize it as blue, although I don't think that's accurate. Most Coloradans are independent. So in the state, statewide, it's 42% independent. In my district, it's 44% independent voters. And so there's a libertarian spirit in Colorado, a spirit of independence. I think that Coloradans want to be left alone. They don't want extreme government overreach. They may not be strongly to the right or strongly to the left, but they want to be allowed to think for themselves and they want to be able to enjoy this beautiful state without a whole lot of interference. What uh, what is the makeup of your district? You don't have the, yeah, what, what all do you have and what military bases do you have in your district? There are no no military bases in the district itself, though we border Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And so we have, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant veteran presence. Did I lose you, Lindsay? No, no, Rose. I can hear you. You're good. Oh, I just shut off, I shut off my video. That's all so, right. However you want to do it. Just just to preserve bandwidth. <laughs> Sorry to <laughs> no uh, digress. But but there is a significant veteran population in District 7 because uh, we border Colorado Springs. We, in fact, go south of, of, uh, of uh, Fort Carson and uh, a, a pretty significant military population around Colorado Springs. Well, are those um, veterans in your district, are they voting in your district or are most of them absentee ballot voting? No, a lot of them are retired and oh. uh, present within the district. I don't I don't know off the top of my head the percentage of absentee ballots coming out of District 7. Probably something I should know, but mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of retired veterans in the district. Okay. And what are your uh, top three priorities once you're voted in? Well, number one, as I mentioned, uphold the United States Constitution. That's the number one charge of any elected official. And that that protection for the rights of the individual and our individual liberties are under attack in this country. And so first and foremost, uphold the Constitution. And then we've got to address the economy. Unaffordability is out of control, especially here in Colorado, as a result of reckless and abusive spending in Congress. We need to pass the balanced budget amendment. We need to start spending within our cash flow. We need to implement fiscally conservative policies. And then we've got to make sure that we're secure as a nation. And and starting with that, it's securing our southern border. 
It's an absolute disaster. It's a national security risk. We know cartels and terrorist elements are exploiting that porous southern border, so it must be secured. And we need to implement sound and balanced immigration policies. Um, how are you feeling about, I know you touched on this a little bit, but how are you feeling about uh, June 28th is the primary, correct? That's right. How are you feeling about the other candidates? And I know you said that you have a good feeling about it, but can you tell me a little bit about the other candidates and who is your most, com- who is your greatest competitor? Sure. So there are two others. I would say one is not viable. Uh, she has no, no money, no funds, uh, and has a very uh, radical um, far-right uh, messaging that doesn't appeal to this district. My, my most competitive opponent uh, is an economist. He's very wealthy, uh, but I, I think he's unelectable because he also has some radical positions, especially around abortion. He's taken a stance against contraceptions, which in our day and age is a very radical position. He's also on video talking about uh, abortion as a sacrifice to the demon ball. And it's just, it's just a rhetoric that will not serve him in this district. I respect his, I respect him. I respect his strength of convictions, uh, but, but it's, it's pretty radical for Colorado. And I think the, the left will eat him alive on that position and, and really uh, undermine his ability to be elected. Um, now the current incumbent is retiring. Is that correct? That's right. Ed Perlmutter announced his retirement two weeks after I entered the race. So I'm, I'm taking credit for scaring him away. <laughs> <laughs> how did you think he did overall in the role and how long has he been in? He's been in over 15 years now. So Ooh. I think he's going on his eighth term. Wow. Uh, he, he, he's known as a, a, a nice man and he comes across as a moderate but his voting record does not reflect moderation. He votes with the radical left every single time. He does what he's told by the Democrat party bosses. I don't think he represents Colorado. I don't think he's brought solutions that serve the constituency, uh, even though he, he might be a very nice man and even well-liked, he's not, he's not doing the right thing in Congress. Well, 15 years is a long time to be there. So um, now it was interesting. Can you tell me you were going to run for Senate and then you withdrew from the race? How, do, how did that work out? Why did you why did you decide to go um, Congress instead of Senate? Or House instead of Senate? Yeah, so I, I originally uh, ran for United the United States Senate again last June. I was also the second candidate to enter that race. I recognized Michael Bennett's vulnerability, our U.S. Senator, he's, he's much like Ed Perlmutter. He's very weak. He votes along Democrat party lines, and that's about all he does. I lived in District 2, so I was not at a, com- a competitive congressional district at that time. And I also was, was somewhat naive to uh, the, the political process and what it would take to win a race the size of the U.S. Senate race. I mean, it's a 50 to $100 million race. And I thought, okay, I'm a West Point graduate, combat veteran. I've got significant international business experience. People are going to love me. (laughs) Well, that's not the reality. And so 
the Senate race filled out dramatically. I think that was indicative of, of how vulnerable Michael Bennett is. Uh, and then a lot of, a lot of money came into the race, uh, some, some self funders. And at the, and I was also redistricted into the seventh congressional district. So recognizing that I probably wasn't competitive in the U S Senate race, mainly because of resources, I still felt like I was the best candidate, but uh, didn't have the financial resources to really be competitive. Uh, and and the seventh, I recognized an opportunity. Ed Perlmutter was still in the race, so I wasn't doing it because I thought he'd retire. I thought we could win this district. It'd been it changed by 60%. And because I'm doing this to serve my country, I felt, you know, we're I'm not doing this just to be a candidate or to get attention. I'm doing this to win and be in a position of making a difference and making a change. And this became the clear opportunity to be a service. What about, uh, is it pronounced Ross Kloff? Is that how you pronounce it in German, I think? The libertarian? What I'm not are... familiar with that name. Okay, maybe I looked, that, I looked up the wrong one for that one. I thought you had a libertarian running against you. Um, what about it's possible? I <laughs> well, apparently it's he's possible. not that well known. Then, <laughs> yeah, we're we're right now we're not not too concerned about a libertarian or an independent. I I, I think history shows that they have a, a unlikely chance of being successful, but I am predominantly focused on the primary right now. Uh, what is, what do you think is the top priority for your constituents? It, in CD7 at large, the economy is, is is their predominant concern, whether they can afford to live here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Every day, Coloradans are struggling with the co- cost of gasoline and diesel, with the cost of food, with inflation, with uh, wages not keeping up, with the cost of housing. Uh, Every day, Coloradans in District 7 are just struggling to meet meet ends and so that's their predominant concern that they're also feeling the crime along the front range i mean denver's now number one in the nation for auto theft colorado's number one in the nation for bank robberies um there's a, a rampant increase in violent crime Fent- the fentanyl crisis is hitting colorado and so these are these are things that are nonpartisan issues that everybody's feeling, and they want it to be addressed by sound leadership. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, veteran care and the suicide rate, because we hear a lot of veteran candidates and just candidates in general talking about. Well, let's talk about veteran care first, um, and then you know they they throw many into mental health care. But what are some of your other ideas to improve the VA care and to improve uh, care for veterans in general? Well, first and foremost, money should not be taken away from veterans to go support illegal immigrants and uh, coming across the border. Absolutely. That is atrocious. That is a, a dereliction of duty, and it's uh, dishonoring the, the men and women who've who've served this country through multiple decades of war. Uh, I, I want great care for veterans. There is a mental health component. I've seen that. I've experienced the trauma of combat firsthand. I've seen it in, in, in friends and, and brothers and sisters in arms. We, we need to have great health care, but especially uh, when we see the, riot, the, the extraordinary suicide rate, what is it, more than 22 veterans a day kill themselves. 
when we see a lot of veterans who are homeless and just can't reintegrate into society because of trauma, that's a mental health issue. And with my education in psychology uh, that I was continuing to develop out so I could be a part of that solution, I recognize the, the mental health issues that must be treated. And it's got to be done not just by medicating veterans, but by having a way of, of holistically treating them and healing that trauma. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely have a huge problem with that in this country. What about uh, the wokeness in our military and how would you like to see our military improve in the next couple of years? Wokeness has no place in our military. Neither does critical race theory. It's divisive. It's racist. It harms the morale and welfare of a unit and hurts their ability to fight and win our wars. Our military forces are not a democracy. They are a meritocracy. We want the best people leading our men and women, and we want people who are most capable of fighting and winning our nation's wars. There is no room for wokeness, and it's disgusting. I have no respect for these flag officers who are betraying our country by spreading Marxist propaganda. And as a congressman, I'm coming after them. It, it, it infuriates me. I, I, I will do everything I can to get, get those kinds of ideologies out of our military, get them out of our military academies. The fact that it, you know, CRT is now uh, infesting the United States Military Academy, where I went to school, and other, other military academies is outrageous and, and must be addressed. How did you feel about Afghanistan? The withdrawal. Well, I thought we should have been out of there more than a decade ago. When I was there from 2009 to 2010, I commanded uh, a unit on the border with Pakistan. And I, I thought we didn't have a clear objective there and nobody could articulate why we were, why we were there. The disastrous withdrawal that, that Biden uh, oversaw um, was an extraordinary failure that never should have occurred. We, anybody in their right mind knew how to manage a withdrawal successfully. You get civilians out first, then you get out the, the 80 plus billion dollars of sensitive equipment, or you blow it in place so it doesn't fall into the hands of the enemy. And then you get troops out. And we never should have gone out through Kabul. We should have used Bagram. It was much more secure. This was almost, it was so uh, absurd in its in its uh, propagation that that one could only wonder if it was not by design uh, to have this extraordinary failure. But it's emboldening uh, enemies because it's de- demonstrated a level of incompetency and weakness that that has instigated uh, global instability. That has caused uh, you know uh, maybe fueled Russian aggression in Ukraine caused China to rattle its sabers and threaten Taiwan. North Korea is now uh, conducting missile tests. Uh, the moment Biden took office, Hamas starts launching rockets into Israel. This is all because of the weakness and incompetency of our civilian and military leadership. And our enemies around the globe are taking advantage of it. And Afghanistan was, was a signal to our enemies that we were vulnerable. I couldn't agree more with you on that. Um, I want to talk about two more issues though, while we have a second, um, talk to me about your feelings on Roe versus Wade and the current situation with that, um, with that issue. 
Well, it was deeply concerning to me that this was leaked. It's unprecedented. It's an undermining of, of a, an institution that must be upheld. And I think it was a ploy by the radical left to give them ammo for the midterms. It's unacceptable. It needs to be investigated and should never happen again. That being said, I'd be thrilled to see Roe v. Wade overturned because I don't think the federal government has a role in this issue. It's a state's rights issue, and I want the states to decide uh, the the laws around abortion. Now, that, that being said, I respect the state's rights to decide what those laws are, Though I am firmly against the very permissive abortion bill here in Colorado, which puts us on par with laws like North Korea and China, it's far too permissive. Uh, late-term abortion is uh, is abhorrent, and but it, but the only way we're going to address these things at, in, it, ultimately is to address our culture. And so I'm a pro-life candidate. I am a a father. I've seen all three of my children be born, and I respect the sanctity of life. And I want to see a cultural shift that uh, that uh, where where people respect the sanctity of life and the act of creation. I don't believe that government should be overbearing and controlling. And so I, I, I will uphold the legislative process in the state of Colorado, but I'm running for Congress. And that means I want to prevent the federal government from having any role whatsoever uh, in deciding this issue. Yeah, well said, well said. Uh, what about your, your thoughts on the Second Amendment? I think the Second Amendment is critical and it's also under assault. We know that uh, the, the most tightly con- gun-controlled areas in the country have the highest rates of gun violence. That's because the criminals will always have weapons. And a well-armed citizenry is able to defend itself and inhibit crime. A Second Amendment is also there originally to defend against tyranny and, and, and be a check against the powers of the federal government and any government for that matter. But what is what is so disturbing to me is the cognitive dissonance of the left. They both want to defund the police, undermine law enforcement, and at the same time take away a person's ability to defend themselves, which is essentially a recipe for chaos and more crime and uh, removes agency from the individual. So uh, we 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 must uphold the Second Amendment. It is a right to be able to bear arms, and it's not granted by uh, Biden or our government. It's an inalienable right, and it's something that I think is critical to a free country. But you know, the, the the crime aspect is is clear as well. Citizens should be able to defend themselves, especially when law enforcement. Their integrity has been undermined like never before, and they're they're overtaxed. They're they're both afraid to respond because of they don't feel like the American people have their back, mm-hmm. uh, but um, they're they're also um, struggling to enforce the law, especially in in, in states where uh, lawlessness has become extremely permissive because attorney generals and district attorneys are encouraged to not enforce the law and prosecute. So 
a long answer, but we, I, I'm a firm believer in, in the Second Amendment and believe it must be protected. Thank you for answering that question. Um, we hit on um, just a few issues. Uh, is there anything that I missed that you wanted to talk about? Any issues that you wanted to talk about before we end this interview? Well, we could talk briefly about energy, Lindsay. I, I, I spent a decade in the oil and natural gas industry. We've lost our energy independence. It has a direct result on inflation. It has a direct result on the cost of commodities and goods. I, I think that this energy crisis that is artificially created by this this uh, despicable Biden administration uh, is going to hurt people, and it's going to have second and third order effects that are still still remain to be seen, especially with the cost of food and potential food shortages and the impact on our national security. There's a national security component to being able to energize your economy and power your military, and that's being undermined, and it's uh, deeply concerning to me. Uh, this is this question I've been waiting to ask you. What are your thoughts on a potential Trump endorsement? Do you think it could? Are you requesting it? Um, is it is it a possibility? Would you like to have one? Um, personally, I'd love to have one. Politically, it's not. <laughs> politically, <laughs> though, it's it's not an advantage here in Colorado or this district. Oh, okay, that that makes sense. Uh, so, we we have not done. Uh, soliciting a, a Trump endorsement, uh, even though a lot of people are encouraging me to do that. Um, we, most of my district uh, is is independent voters, and even a lot of conservatives in my district are not not Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. There there there's a divisiveness that I think is felt pretty strongly here in Colorado, and uh, so. You know, I, I I talk about his policies and how effective they were, and the, the the distinction between the current administration and President Trump's administration is so stark. If anybody can't see it, then they're not they're not genuinely looking uh, to 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 see the problems that that the Biden administration has introduced. And you know, I I am aligned in many respects with Trump's policies. And that's what we have to focus on is policies and principles and what works, not personalities. I mean, in this day and age, we're so focused on personalities to the detriment of our conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know, I mean, in Ohio, I'm from District 9 in Ohio, and I know he endorsed a Senate candidate and uh, J.R. Majewski and J.D. Vance. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does in Colorado. Because sometimes you don't even have to ask for an endorsement, right? And it just comes. <laughs> well, I, I hope if it just comes that it comes my way. But if uh, that would be nice. I don't want him to endorse one of my opponents at the last minute. That might derail things. Right. <laughs> he, he has a mind of his own, I believe. Absolutely. Um, one more question. Who is your favorite Congress member and why? I I mean I I really like Jim Jordan. I, I think he's I've met him a couple of times. I've spoken to him. Uh, you know I know he challenges the leadership in the House, which is an is is healthy. 
Uh, but he's also reasoned. I, I don't see him uh, just spewing rhetoric. He backs himself up with, with, with facts and with truth. And, I, you know, he doesn't try to be incendiary just to be to get attention. I, I think he really tries to do what's right. Yeah, definitely a Jim Jordan fan here. Um, before I let you go, is there any last minute thoughts? And can you tell us where to find your website and where to find information on you if our listeners want to uh, to, to find you um, on social media? Certainly. I mean, my, my last minute thought would be assess me as the candidate and where I stand and my own character. Don't, don't, I mean, I, I don't love the questions about do I support so-and-so because at the end of the day, I'm the one on the ballot and I'm going to vote and, and represent with my conscience based on my own experience. I'm not owned by anybody. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm going to serve the, the constituency of District 7 not just Republicans, but all the constituents of District 7, and I'm always going to try to do the right thing. My website is odlandforcolorado.com, A-A-D-L-A-N-D-F-O-R, colorado.com, and we're all on all the major social media platforms. would love for your audience to, to follow me and support me. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and taking time out of your busy schedule, and we will be supporting you here on Carry On Podcast. Well, my pleasure, Lindsay. Thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed the conversation. All right. You have a great day. You too.